This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. A, a beautiful day here in the Northeast, and uh, it, we need some rain. I don't know when we're going to get any, but uh, uh, it has been a stretch of unbelievable weather here, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it's a good day around the country where you are. Got lots to talk about this morning, but before we get to that, how about some COVID news? Because we don't get enough of that. Um, Seth Abramson of CNN, uh, had a breaking story last night that New England, not, I mean, obviously not a state, the entire region of New England as a whole is now at 70% of people in the region that are either fully or partially vaccinated, you know, and as he said, it makes it the safest place in America virus wise uh, right now, there's only three States across the country that have reached that level, New Mexico, Hawaii, and New Jersey. That's it. Other than that, it's new England. And you know, here, I know here in the state of Connecticut, it's been one of those things where as soon as you reach the age level, where you could get a vaccination, people were lining up to get it done. I know it was the same in Massachusetts. My guess is, you know, it was the same everywhere across New England. And, you know, I was uh, on Twitter last night. And, you know, it, it, the, 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 the tendency is to want to pat yourself on the back, right? Hey, we live in New England. Aren't we great? But, you know, somebody made a comment last night, and they actually uh, – uh, Put some facts out to back this up, and you have to wonder if this is the case. Now, look, if you live somewhere else across the country that's not New England, and I know I have listeners that are not in New England, so let me, you know, let me start with this is no disrespect to you personally, but it makes you wonder. Of the states in New England, if you look at the amount of of money spent on education. Connecticut spends the third most per student in the country on education. Vermont is fifth. Massachusetts, seventh. New Hampshire is eighth. Rhode Island is 11th. Maine is 16th. Do you think that there might be some correlation between education and and your willingness to accept and understand science, the science behind the vaccine. Look, you know, and now and New York, by the way, New York is number one in the country in per pupil spending. So 
you know, good for them. And, and obviously they're kind of on, on track to do the same thing New England's trying to do. But do you think there might be a correlation? I do. Let me give you some other facts. Obviously, there are a lot of states, and most of them are down south, that are resistant to getting the vaccination because, you know, uh, you know, it's some kind of government plot or something like that. Let me point this out. And again, if you live down there and you listen to my show, please, this is nothing against you personally, but this is something that, that your governments have to consider. Mississippi, 47th in the country in terms of spending. Alabama, 40th. Arkansas, 38th. Louisiana, 30th. Georgia, 34th. Tennessee, 43rd. And these are all states that right now, if you look at a map, the CDC has a map, or actually it's the Mayo Clinic that has the map, showing vaccination rates across the country. And if you look at all those states that I just mentioned, they are at the bottom of states in this country getting a vaccine. Mississippi right now, only 33% of their population has gotten at least one dose. 33%. Alabama's at 35.6. You know, <laughs> folks, Arkansas is at, they're a little better. They're at 38. Louisiana's at 35.1. Georgia's at 38. Tennessee, 38. And I'm getting ready to move to North Carolina. North Carolina's only 42.6%. That scares the crap out of me. You know, now I'm fully vaccinated, so I guess I don't have to worry. But what I worry about is that it's people that don't take the science seriously and want to uh, ignore what is the science. You know, again, and here in the Northeast, in New England, New York, New Jersey, you know, New York right now is at 55% that's been vaccinated. Connecticut's at 62. Uh, Rhode Island is, uh, I think, at around 63. Massachusetts is at uh, 64 Maine's at 61, New Hampshire's 64, Vermont is at 69.6, and Vermont's got a lot. Hey, let me, this again, nothing against people in Vermont, but there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of hippies in Vermont. There's a lot of free thinkers in Vermont, and they're at 69.6% by themselves. You know, outside of New England, it, you have to go far and wide to find states that have done such a good job. Uh, Pennsylvania's at 57, New Jersey's at 58 and a half, California with its 39 million residents is at 55%. Yet, yet we have in, you know, Mississippi, 3 million people, 33 points, 33%. So again, it's nothing against you personally, but, uh, folks, this is, this is just, it's science, you know, and I have to deal with with some of that, I have some friends. I have family members that will not get the vaccine. That are anti-vaxxers. And what they can't seem to understand is this vaccine is different than any other vaccine we've ever had. Every other vaccine we've ever had has been one of those things where it's got the weakened form of the, the virus in there and you build up the antibodies that way. 
these vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna, these are uh, vaccines that turn on triggers in your body to create the antibodies. It's not injecting any weakened vaccine into your body. You know, and I'll have people, like my wife will point out, well, what are they, what are they mixing it with? What is the, what is the agent that they're using? You know, and, and it's, and that's because back in, you know, back in the fifties and sixties, vaccines had mercury in them. There was a trace amount of mercury in them. They don't do that anymore, but you can't get people past, you know, they read something that might be 30 or 40 or 50 years old and they think it's what we're still doing today. So drives me nuts but congratulations if you live in new england uh you know it's the safest place to be the good news is i'm going to be here until the end of the year so maybe by the time i leave the uh the population in north carolina will get with the program you know my wife and i have talked about this move you know and i'm going down to an area that you know voted for donald trump in the last election Uh, you know that's going to be a hard one for me you know, I'm going to have to keep my politics to myself. I don't know that I'll do it on the air, but I, you know, it may be one of those things where I'm not, I'm not advertising a lot about my radio station being in North Carolina. I'll just kind of just do my thing. <laughs> and Paula Cherry checked in, you know, you know, and that's, you know, you laugh, you laugh when you read this, but Paul says, you know, these people must count on the national Enquirer for their news. Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, I laugh. You know, I was just thinking about my grandmother. My grandmother used to read the National Enquirer every day. God love her. She lived to be 89 years old and just used to read the National Enquirer. And that was back before it was it was even worse than it is now. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't get people. But uh, hopefully by the time I, I finally pick up and move to North Carolina, these people will, will get with the program. But, folks, get the damn vaccine. And speaking of the vaccine, I'm working the NCAA Division Three baseball tournament this coming weekend um, at Trinity College. I've been asked to come in and uh, be the statistician for the weekend. And uh, in order just to work this tournament, the NCAA is making me jump through all kinds of hoops. I had to prove uh, – I had to go online last night and register on an NCAA site and then provide proof of my vaccination. I had to actually take a photo of my vaccination card and upload that to the NCAA for proof that I've been vaccinated. Because if I hadn't been, I would have to get vac. I would have to get tested um, before I was even allowed in the venue. So before I was even in the parking lot, I would have to get tested for COVID. But since I'm fully vaccinated and can prove it then, you know, I don't have to worry about it. I basically get a green light. And I, I don't, I assume I don't have to wear a mask. I don't know for sure about that part yet. But NCAA is not messing around with this stuff. And they're doing that for all their national championships at all three levels, divisions one, two, and three. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, again, you know, we may be getting back to some semblance of normal, but we are several months away before I think we can all take a collective sigh and say, okay, things are back to normal. And, you know, again, we may have the COVID season the same way we have the flu season, but we're still a little ways away. Um, you know, I go to the stores now and I see some people that don't have masks on anymore. You know, I went to the, the local stop and shop in Middletown the other day and, uh, I saw probably a half a dozen people in the store without a mask. One of them was a father and his son, a little kid, about maybe five, six years old, didn't have a mask on. 
Uh, which, by the way, uh, you know, I know that kid's not vaccinated. So shame on him, but it is what it is, you know, and you know, you're not going to say, I'm not going to say anything, but you know, people now are, uh, even though the stores still ask you to wear a mask, there are people now when, once the CDC said, you don't have to, if you're vaccinated, they're like, yep, yeah, screw it. My wife, who was a manager at Home Depot said the same thing that they're seeing more and more people come into the store without masks on. I'm still wearing mine. I'm fully vaccinated and wearing mine. When I'm out in a public setting like that, I see it is not that big a deal for me to keep my mask on for 15 or 20 minutes while I'm in the store. You know, I may feel differently about it come fall when, when things are relaxed even more. And maybe even by the end of the summer, I'm kind of hoping when my wife and I head to that concert in August that I, I'll feel comfortable enough to take it off. But right now, what's the big deal about keeping it on for 20 minutes? Really? You know, people, people would, you would think that you've been asked to uh, go out and break rocks with a sledgehammer, you know, do hard labor because you have to wear a mask. I mean, get serious. All right, let's get to sports. Uh, how about uh, here in the state of Connecticut? Connecticut's son coach Kurt Miller has been fined ten grand and suspended for a game by the WNBA for uh, making a disparaging remark about uh, a player from the Las Vegas Aces. Now, by the way, I don't know what Kurt Miller's making, but I know the players in the WNBA aren't making a ton. A ten thousand dollar fine for Kurt Miller—that sounds pretty hefty. <laughs> it's, I, you know, I don't know what he's making, but that sounds like a pretty hefty fine. Um, during the game when they beat the Las Vegas Aces 72-65 on Sunday, uh, Miller had an, uh, kind of a run-in with a, an official, was not happy about a call that did not go his team's way. So he went to the referee and said, Hey, for God's sake, she weighs 300 pounds. Well, uh, look, uh, any of you that uh, any any male listeners that I have that have ever had a girlfriend or a wife, the last thing that you do is refer to a woman's weight. That is a quick way to get yourself killed. Well, it was uh, in reference to Liz Cambridge. Liz Cambridge, who by the way is six foot eight, and she doesn't weigh three hundred pounds. By the way, she came out and and said, "Hey, by the way." Because uh, she went after him on, on social media. She said, by the way, I weigh 235 pounds. 6'8", 235. That's a big woman. That's a big man. That's a big anything. But she doesn't weigh 300 pounds. And you do, you just don't do that with a woman. And good for you. Look, good for her. Uh, Cambridge stepped up and complained to the league office. Miller admitted to what he had done. The referee corroborated what she said. He had no choice. And so he will miss their next game uh, Tuesday when they visit the Seattle Storm. By the way, the, the Connecticut Suns off to a great start. They're five and zero. They're the only undefeated team in the WNBA, sitting in first place. Well, they're not going to have their coach on Tuesday. Uh, the two assistant coaches will uh, kind of be co-head coaches for the game. But uh, yeah, dude. <laughs> and look, <laughs> how many of us, when we've been playing a competitive sport? have not said something at some point about somebody on the other team, whether it's about their weight or whatever, you know, or, but, or they, they can't hit their way out of a wet paper bag. Or, you know, they, they couldn't hit a basket, you know, from two feet away, whatever. We've all made disparaging comments, but man, when you are in this day and age, the last thing you want to do is go after a woman and, and mention her weight. Oh, good Lord. You might as well have said, hey, she's 300 pounds and she's ugly. I mean, come on. 
What a dope. You know, and, and heat of the moment, we've all done and said things that we regret. I've done the same thing, uh, you know, and I'm sure he feels terrible about it. I'm sure his, his, his family feels terrible about the fact he's going to have to part with $10,000. <laughs> but uh, an appropriate punishment, and you can bet it's not a mistake he'll make again. And if he does, then he needs to get thrown out of the league. But, oh, my goodness. Um, the PGA issued an apology to uh, Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka about the scene on the 18th hole uh, of Mickelson's win this past weekend. Uh, the fact that the spectators rushed the ropes and basically just swarmed Mickelson and Kepka in the middle of the 18th hole. You know, and I wondered about that, whether it was something that they that they had planned to allow it to happen or whether this was just a case of over-exuberant fans uh, overwhelming the volunteer marshals and the police that were working there. I suspected it was more the fans doing it than the course allowing it. And the statement made it sound like um, that it was not planned. They basically said that it was a moment of high elation and pent-up emotion by spectators that overwhelmed the security. So, I mean, it was, you know, as I was watching it, it was a little uncomfortable. I mean, it was kind of scary. You know, I can't only imagine what Kepka and Mickelson must have felt like. Holy crap, there's 10,000 people running at us. You know, and, you know, Kepka's got that surgically repaired knee that got bumped by some people as he tried to get through the crowd. Good Lord. I mean, they had to put like a phalanx of security around him to get him through the crowd. That's how nuts it was. You know, and there were a couple of comments that maybe somebody tried to purposely hurt him. I don't believe that, you know, and, and Kepka started to go there and he said it felt, you know, it felt like somebody tried to and then he stopped. He said, I don't know what the deal was, but it is, but it is what it is, you know, but you know, you could tell he wanted to gripe and say, ah, you know, look, Kepka's Kepka's one of these guys that is, uh, uh, has mouthed off a little bit too much and has rubbed some people the wrong way. And the, the smartest thing that he did right there was cut off those comments. I, Cause I firmly don't believe somebody was trying to purposely hurt him. I just believe that it was, you know, people hadn't been on a golf course forever and maybe people have forgotten how to act in a crowd. It makes me worry a little bit when we have a full, you know, full Fenway park, you know, coming up tonight, you know, what's that going to be like? You know, I mean, our, our, uh, actually, I don't think it's time. I think it's the 29th or something, but what's that going to be like, you know, have people forgotten how to act in a big crowd? And I hope not. But uh, anyway, so the PGA issued an apology and you can bet from here on out, I think all of the tournaments going forward are going to have extra security because the last thing they need is that happening again. And can you imagine, you know, just for the sake of argument, if Kepka had gotten tripped by somebody in that crowd and had gone down and blown out that knee again and had had to have more knee surgery and missed months on the tour because of that, you know, thank God that didn't happen. But you can understand why, you know, uh, if, when the, uh, the Travelers Championship that comes up here in a month, you can guarantee, you know, they are going to be very, very cautious about something like that happening again. So, 
Uh, Red Sox did not play last night. They uh, they were active though. Uh, Michael Chavis was sent down to Triple A Worcester last night. Look, Chavis is you know he hit the ball pretty well when he came up. He was nine for thirty three, and of those nine hits, five of them for extra bases. Uh, but the problem was he also struck out thirteen times uh, in those thirty three at bats. So that's more than a third of the time, which is a problem. Came up five times with runners in scoring position. Did not get a hit. Uh, had a big error in the game uh, Thursday. Uh, against the uh, Blue Jays that extended an inning and ended up, uh, you know, the Blue Jays ended up scoring a run on it. Um, you know, so he gets sent back down, which probably means that Christian Arroyo is going to be activated before tonight's game against the Atlanta Braves. Uh, he just ended up uh, playing three-game uh, rehab stint with Worcester, uh, played second base a couple of times, DH'd in the other game, went one for ten. He wasn't exactly tearing it up in Worcester the way uh, Kike Hernandez did when he did his rehab, but uh, they're going to bring him back up tonight. Look, he had played really well defensively at second base, and he hit 275 while he was up with the big club. So, look, I think right now uh, the defense is a big thing. You know, defense has kind of let the Red Sox down a little bit, um, and uh, they need to get back to playing some better defense. So I think that's the biggest reason that uh, Arroyo is going to replace Chavis. There was some thought that maybe uh, Frenchy Cordero would go down, but – uh, he has survived for another uh, another round. I don't know how much longer he'll be there, uh, but he's there at least for now. Um, Garrett Richards will get the start tonight for the Red Sox as they take on the Braves. He's going to take on uh, Charlie Morton, of course, who went to Joel Barlow High School in Reading, Connecticut, a guy that a lot of people thought the Red Sox would try to sign in the offseason. Uh, Morton has not been great this year. He's uh, pitched to an ERA in the mid-fours, and the Braves are just 3-6 and six in his starts. He's on a one-year $15 million deal. Garrett Richards uh, has pitched well, four and two with three seven two ERA over nine starts. Um, he's thrown forty eight in a third inning in those nine starts. Uh, Red Sox are five and four in games he started, and look, he's pitched better and better every time out. So uh, uh, interleague game tonight, but it as is at Fenway, so we don't have to worry about the pitchers hitting tonight. Um, uh, they'll be back. Uh, and by the way, um, Brandon Workman, remember him, the guy the Red Sox traded along with Heath Embry to the Phillies and was just absolutely awful for the Sox and for the Phillies last year. He was awful early in the season for the Cubs, got released. Uh, the Red Sox picked him up. He's pitching down in Worcester. Um, he's allowed, so far, he's uh, been in um, five games. He's allowed one run over five innings. He struck out five. He's only allowed three hits. Uh, maybe there's something left. Maybe the Sox can figure it out. They're going to need some bullpen help. That bullpen... Uh, is shaky. There's no question, you know, when you have to run out guys like Phillips Valdez in big high leverage situations or guys like Josh Taylor. Now Taylor's pitched better lately, but they could use some help. And if Workman's got anything left and they can figure that out, that would be huge. And it would be what a steal that would end up being uh, for uh, Heim Bloom when you trade away two guys that are no longer even with the team that got traded to and you got back uh, Connor Seabold um, and Nick Pavetta in the deal. Uh, a lot of people's opinion of Heim Bloom is going to change in a hurry. 29 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. We'll take a look at last night's uh, hockey and baseball action in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, the Red Sox, by the way, out of first place for the first time since April the 7th. And it's not because the Red Sox have played badly. It's because the Tampa Bay Rays, um, I, I guess, have decided they don't want to lose anymore. 
The Rays won again last night. They beat the Blue Jays. Actually, it was yesterday afternoon. They beat the Blue Jays 14-8. to They have now won 11 in a row. This was a bizarre game, too. At 14-8, it sounds like it was a blowout. Uh, this was a 5-5 game after 9. And then they went to extras. In the 10th inning, both teams scored twice. And uh, then the Rays scored seven runs in the top of the 11th inning. Seven runs. Uh, so that 11-game win streak, by the way, is one short of the team record that they sent uh, that he set all the way back in 2004 when Lou Pinella was their manager. They won 12 in a row. They were playing. That was back when they were the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Uh, Lou Pinella took them to 12 straight wins. I mean, it's unbelievable what they're doing right now. You know, the Red Sox have won 7 out of 10, and they've lost ground because Tampa's won 11 in a row. The Yankees have won 8 of 10 and 6 in a row, and they're just a half a game behind Boston. It's insane. You know, Boston is playing well and still losing ground. Again, you know, as I said right, you know, a couple of weeks ago, if the Red Sox win every series between now and the end of the year, not only are they going to make the playoffs, they're going to win the World Series. That's all you got to do is win series. So they they ended up winning their series with the uh, 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 with the Philadelphia Phillies despite losing that game on Sunday, which was maddening. You know, they still won won the series. And if they can do that every time, then they're going to be just fine. And, and, you know, I just have to keep telling myself that, you know, they're going to be all right. You know, there are some concerns with, you know, what's going on with Erod, et cetera, et cetera. But we'll see. This is just a two-game series with the Braves. Um, but if they win that series, well, then things are going to be okay. The Braves uh, have been struggling of late. And then the Miami Marlins, who have picked things up lately, have three games with the Red Sox over the weekend. Uh, and then they go on the road, and things get tougher. I mean, you look at this schedule, and we've said it before. These are teams that have all made the playoffs last year. The Braves made the playoffs. The Marlins did. And then they have to go play the Astros in Houston. Then they have to play at New York, come back home to play the Astros, the Blue Jays, and the Braves. They don't get a break. Their schedule is brutal, with the exception of six games that they play against, or seven games they play against the Royals, or six games against the Royals in June, their schedule between now and the end of June is murderous. If they're still, you know, within a couple of games of first place or, you know, best-case scenario in first place at the end of June with the schedule that they have ahead of them right now, I'll feel really good about what's going to happen the rest of the season. But this schedule is absolutely brutal. Uh, so we'll see. But the Rays just don't seem like they want to lose. Uh, Vlad Guerrero, by the way, uh, two more home runs last night. He's got 15 of them on the season. But 11 of those 15 home runs that he's hit have all been in that ballpark down in Dunedin with the wind blowing out. Uh, I mean, that look, it's it's a pretty ballpark, but good Lord, the wins there are brutal. So he's hit 11 of his 15 home runs there. They're leaving there. They don't play any more games in Dunedin starting on June 1st. They play their home games in Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's, you know, Buffalo is a bit of a, uh, you know, an easier home run shot than a lot of major league ballparks as well. 
but uh, it won't fly out quite as well as it does in Florida because in Florida, they, you've always got that wind that seems to be blowing out 15 miles an hour, and it's hotter down there. The ball travels farther, farther in hotter weather, so uh, having him up in Buffalo should slow that down a little bit, but uh, he has been on a hell of a tear. Uh, the Rays now will play the Kansas City Royals, so the chances of the Rays losing tonight probably aren't great either. Uh, Rich Hill will take them out against Brad Kel- uh, Keller from the Royals. Uh, the Blue Jays play the Yankees. Blue Jays need to get back on track. They have lost six in a row. And, you know, as a Red Sox fan, boy, would I love to see them get healthy against the Yankees. Uh, Steven Matz, who has struggled his last couple of starts, although I, sh- I say that the last time he pitched against the Red Sox, they got to him early, but then he settled down and pitched well for the rest of the game before leaving. Uh, but Corey Kluber, Mr. Nono, will take the hill for the New York Yankees tonight. Uh, of course, he threw that no-hitter at Texas last Wednesday. Um, the Mets lose last night, and the Mets right now are resembling a mash unit. I mean, it is absolutely crazy what is going on with the Mets right now. They have 16 players, 16 on the injured list, and they may have another one heading for Jordan Yamamoto, who got the start over the weekend, ended up leaving the game with a soreness in his shoulder. He's having an MRI uh, uh, this morning, and he will likely go on the injured list. So he'd be number 17. And then last night during the game, uh, Janishwi Fargus, who is their like fourth outfielder, and he's really not even their fourth outfielder. He's about their sixth outfielder, but because of injuries uh, to Conforto and Brandon Nimmo, uh, he's had to play. He, he, he ran into the fence last night at full steam and hurt his shoulder. Stayed in the game, but uh, uh, he has a sprained shoulder, and we're going to have to see how he responds today. Uh, it's possible that he could go down as well. You know, and the Mets are, like, calling everybody to find out who might be available because, you know, their minor league depth isn't that strong. But the problem is trying to get guys from other teams at this time of year is hard because everybody still feels like, they have a chance, right? I mean, even teams, you know, like, you know, the Kansas City Royals or the Detroit Tigers, nobody feels like they're out of it yet. I mean, the Royals are only five games back in the AL Central. You know, teams like Seattle and Texas where, you know, you might think, wow, they're going to be sellers, you know, at the deadline. They're, you know, five, six games out. So they're all thinking, we still got a shot here. So it's going to be hard for the Mets um, to find help. And last night, I mean – their bats were just silent. Austin Gomber pitched last night for uh, for Colorado. And, you know, anybody that doesn't follow Colorado on a regular basis is going, who? Austin Gomber was part of the trade that sent Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, Austin Gomber last year for the Cardinals pitched to an ERA, I want to say, of about 1.8. I think he only made, look, he made 16, 17 starts, something like that. But he was really good. You know, he tends to walk a little, a few too many guys for my liking. Uh, but this is a guy that, that had success last year with the Cardinals. So that was a big piece uh, that the Rockies got back. And last night, uh, he was spectacular. He pitched into the ninth inning. They brought him out for the ninth, and he gave up a pinch hit home run uh, in the ninth inning to uh, Brendan Drury and uh, then gave up a hit. And then that was the end of the night for him. And. Uh, Estevez came on and got his second save of the season. But over eight-plus innings 
Four hits, two runs. Both runs were on solo homers. He struck out eight. He did not walk anybody. As I just said, this is a guy that, you know, walks a few too many guys from my liking. And, you know, case in point, if, if you look what he did with the Cardinals last year, um, uh, you know, he walked 32 guys in 75 innings. It's too many. You know, so, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that, that could be a uh, – and last year, in he only pitched 29 innings last year. It was in 2018 where he made 11 starts. Last year, he only made four starts, but in those 29 innings last year, he walked 15 guys. You know, so, uh, you know, and even this year, his walk numbers, he had walked 22 in 53 innings, or actually in 44 or 45 innings before last night. Uh, but last night, just spectacular. And for the Rockies, it was a rare road win. They were 2-17 and 17 on the road. 2-17! and 17. Um. So a big win for them last night. You know, they're not going anywhere. They're in that NL West. They've got no shot with, uh, you know, the Padres and the Dodgers in there. Uh, but a nice win for them last night. And the Mets are just, uh, you know, praying they can get some guys back healthy soon. One of the guys they are getting back tonight, Jacob deGrom returns to the mound tonight. Uh, 3-2 and two with an 0.68 ERA. But this will be his first start since May the 9th. He's been dealing with that right side tightness. Uh, Kyle Freeland is going to make his season debut for the Rockies tonight. Uh, he got sidelined in spring training late in March um, with some uh, uh, pain in the pitching shoulder, so they shut him down. So he will make his debut tonight uh, against Jacob DeGrom. Good luck. Good luck. And, you know, and if you are a Mets fan, you're holding your breath tonight. You know, you need DeGrom, you know, to be DeGrom. You know, you're going to have Syndergaard back you know, in the next few weeks. You know, he's down making rehab starts now, so you know he's getting close. Carlos Carrasco now looks like he's going to be out probably until at least the end of June, maybe the first part of July. But with Syndergaard coming back, uh, you know, they need DeGrom because their their rotation is really, really thin right now. Um, so we'll see. Anyway, uh, the Cardinals and the White Sox last night. Tony La Russa against his old team. Uh, well, he got his old team last night. Uh, the White Sox win 5-1. Lance Lynn, another strong start last night. Seven innings, just three hits and one run. Picked up his fifth win of the season. Um, and uh, uh, La Russa was able to uh, get the better of a few of his old uh, players on his team. Yadier Molina, Matt Carpenter, and Adam Wainwright were on that team the last year that Tony La Russa managed. That's, I mean, and those guys are older than dirt. So that tells you how long ago it was. But uh, it was a win that the White Sox desperately needed after getting swept by the Yankees. Uh, they maintained their one-and-a-half game lead uh, in the NL Central. Um, and uh, tonight it'll be uh, Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals. Flaherty is 8-0, and taking on his former high school teammate Lucas Giolito tonight. That should be a lot of fun. Giolito 3-4 with a 4-3-5 ERA for the White Sox. Uh, and I mentioned the fact that they maintained uh, their lead over the Cleveland Indians. The Indians, uh, with a win over the Tigers last night, 6-5, to five. Uh, it was a game that looked like the Tigers were going to win. Jordan Luplo, though, with a huge catch, uh, a diving catch on an Emmanuel, uh, uh, excuse me, on a, uh, uh, a ball hit to his left, made a diving catch, and uh, Eric Haas was the one who hit the sinking liner, made the catch, and if, that get, if he doesn't make that catch, the Tigers score a couple of runs, probably win the game, but the Indians hold on to win this one 6-5. to five. 
So they are a game and a half behind the White Sox. Um, the win goes to uh, uh, Jose Mejia in relief. Clays picks up his eighth save of the season. Spencer Turnbull making his first start since the no-hitter. Gave up uh, three runs, seven hits in six innings. Uh, but it uh, it wasn't him that was the problem. It was the bullpen and the defense let him down, and uh, the Indians end up getting the win. Tonight, the Indians will throw uh, Connecticut native Aaron Savali from East Windsor. Uh, he is 6-1. and one. Uh, Tarek Skubal goes to the mound for the Tigers tonight. It is 44 minutes past the hour. I watched a lot of hockey last night. We're going to talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. 46 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. A few minutes left here this morning. I watched uh, the Islanders game against the Penguins last night. Very intense game. Very hard-hitting game. And the Islanders now a game away from taking on the Boston Bruins in the second round of the playoffs. They beat the Penguins last night in double overtime, 3-2. to two. Great game. But it was a game that Penguin fans, you know, it's going to be a lot... This was kind of the reverse um, of the other night. If this is this is how Capital fans felt, the Penguins did everything but win this game last night. They outshot the Islanders badly last night. They outshot them fifty to twenty-eight. Fifty shots to twenty-eight, and they lost the game because Ilya Sorokin was unbelievable last night. The rookie goaltender for the Islanders made some huge saves. Um, But other than that, Pittsburgh literally dominated this entire game. Um, Game six is in New York on Wednesday. Um, It was Josh Bailey who was the hero last night, and it was really a mistake by the Pittsburgh goaltender, Tristan Jerry, uh, tried to clear the puck out in front, and it was not a good one. It went right to Bailey, who buried it just a minute, or actually it was 50 seconds into the second overtime to give the Islanders the victory. The Islanders, And this, look, if you are a Bruin fan, this is exactly what you want because the Islanders are the number four seed. So if the Islanders win this series, the Bruins will have home ice advantage in that second round game or you know second round series. So that would be huge. But a great game. Uh, Evgeny Malkin with a with a, a bullet last night for uh, uh, for one of the goals. Uh, Brian Rust had a goal as well for Pittsburgh. But uh, Josh Bailey made it all not count with that goal in the second overtime. Um, I also watched part of the uh, the Toronto Canadian game last night. Toronto won that one two to one, um, and they take a two one series lead. Uh, and uh, William Nylander picked up his third goal in as many games for Toronto. They haven't won a playoff series since 2004. It's been a long, long time. Uh, and, and and by the way, this that was a great win for Toronto last night. They still don't have their captain, John Tavares. Uh, Tavares is going to miss at least the rest of this series and perhaps the next one as well. Um he suffered a, uh, a concussion and a knee injury in a collision in game one. If you didn't see the highlight of that one, oof, 
it was brutal. So he is out at least for the rest of this series and, and could be the next one as well. Uh, but right now, Toronto holding that 2-1 series lead. And I watched this one until I couldn't, I couldn't stay awake anymore. I watched it till there were about, I don't know, 15 minutes left in regulation. It was midnight. I was like, I got to go to bed. Uh, but the Winnipeg Jets uh, swept the Edmonton Oilers. They win last night 4-3 to and three overtimes. So there was no way I was lasting. If I couldn't make regulation, I would have been up until, you know, one thirty in the morning. Uh, but a 4-3 victory in three overtimes. Kyle Connor with the goal 6.52 into the third overtime. Uh, it was the longest uh, game in Winnipeg history. Longer in, in uh, you know, and that was, you know, it was fun for Winnipeg. I mean, these guys were actually, you know, I saw, I was watching SportsCenter this morning and I was, they, you know, these guys were having fun. Between periods, these guys were just like, you know, laughing and just having a blast. And, uh, you know, uh, Connor Hellebuck, 37 saves for Winnipeg last night. And uh, they will take on the winner of the Maple Leaf uh, Montreal series. And that will be for the Northern Division. And then then that's going to be interesting. What happens then? I It, it still looks like, because the borders are still closed between Canada and the United States, which is why, for instance, the Toronto uh, Blue Jays are having to play in Buffalo. It looks like whoever wins that Northern Division series is going to have to come to the United States and play their games at a neutral site, their home games at a neutral site, because... Uh, there's no travel allowed between Canada and the United States. Their borders are closed. So any of the other division winners can't go up there to play games. So whoever, you know, enjoy the home ice while you can, folks, because whoever wins that that division is coming to the United States basically to quarantine. Uh, kind of a shame for them, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, again, we're not, we're not quite back yet. Uh, so anyway, got to love the hockey. I, I mean, I'm telling you, it's – I don't think – I do not believe there is a better sport in the playoffs than hockey, period. And you know what a big baseball fan I am. Playoff hockey trumps the baseball playoffs. It trumps the World Series. I'm sorry. It just does. There's something about the intensity of playoff hockey that is just remarkable. And by the way, again, I love baseball. Best athletes in the world. I don't care what anybody says, hockey players. It never ceases to amaze me. And look, I can skate. And I know some of you are like, really? You can skate? I grew up on a lake. I was skating from the time I was a little kid, you know, and I loved to play. You know, used to go out and fool around, with, you know, with hockey. Uh, you know, I can skate. I can, you know, but I can't even dream of doing what these guys do on skates. I Every time I watch it, I'm just amazed the way they can skate. The way they can pass, the, the passes that they make on the tape, you know, across ice, you know, through traffic, and it's always right there. It just never ceases to amaze me. These hockey players, and I'm sorry, they're the best. Say what you want about football, basketball, I don't care. Hockey players are the best. You don't believe me? Go to your local rink and try doing what they do. You know, we can all go in our backyard and hit a three-pointer. You know, uh, you know, we can all, we can all, you know, go to the local batting cages and every now and then, you know, uh, uh, you know, make good contact, you know, we can, uh, you know, play a little tennis, you know, we can do some of these things and, you know, pretend that we know what we're doing. I'm telling you, try going out on the ice 
and doing what these guys do. It will be laughable. And this is from somebody that grew up skating. The, remarkable, remarkable. All right, uh, a couple other notes before we get out of here. Um, Mariners get a win last night. Uh, Kyle Lewis with a big home run and a defensive play as well. Uh, the Mariners snap a six-game skid. They beat the Oakland Athletics last night 4-2. to two. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi with a rare uh, a good start for Seattle. Uh, he actually had to leave after six innings because he uh, got cramps in his back, uh, but did enough, and the Mariners hung on to win that one 6-2. to two. How about the Twins? They got a 45-minute rain delay last night. They're losing to the Baltimore Orioles. They come out after the rain delay, scored six runs in the eighth inning. They had six straight two-out hits in the bottom half of the eighth inning, and uh, they rallied to beat the uh, Orioles 8-3 to after the rain delay. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, Minnesota needs it badly. And, uh, you know, they are 10 games behind the Chicago White Sox. Good luck. They're 10 games behind the White Sox and eight games behind the Indians who sit in second place. Good luck. You know, I feel badly for Rocco Baldelli. I'm a big fan of his uh, New England guy. Uh, but, uh, boy, they have dug themselves a huge hole. Uh, the Marlins beat the Phillies, kept uh, the Phillies <coughs> struggling. Phillies have now lost five of six. The Marlins beat them last night, 9-6. Adam Duvall with a three-run bomb last night. Uh, and uh, some history going to be made in Major League Baseball tonight. And love him or hate him, Joe West is going to break the Major League record for games officiated tonight it will be game number 5376 he's working the cardinals white Sox game tonight he's 68 years old started in 1976 uh he breaks the mark set by bill clem who worked from 1905 to 1941 uh but country joe west sets the record tonight in major league baseball and uh you know he's lost a little bit off the fastball but he is a character there is no question about that and uh, remember it was a few years ago um nelson cruz at the all-star game pulled out his phone and had yadier molina take a picture of him with uh, with joe west remember that that was kind of cool uh and somebody asked him why later and cruz said well because he's a legend and he is a legend and he will be uh have officiated the most games ever in the history of Major League Baseball after tonight. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you with some music from The Commitments. Here's a little Mustang Sally. Have a great Tuesday. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.